You're listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your hosts, Micah from Fifth Quarter and Dan from ACC Content. Dan, it's Thursday night. FBS football is being played. Actual FBS on FBS matchups are kicking off later this evening. I know we're probably about an hour or so or two hours or so away from our first kickoff. So, um, actually, we're an hour away. So, by the time we're done recording here, we'll be able to turn some football on, scout some one of Miami's week or watch scouting Miami's non-conference opponent in UAB. But Dan, how how you feeling today? Wow, I'm very excited. Um, kind of hoping UAB doesn't look as good as I think they are because I feel like they scare me a little bit against Miami. You know, the whole conference USA thing. But I'm just <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to have football and ACC starts in a week, so you know just. In a really good mood right now. That's all I could say. Absolutely, I I agree. And I just booked my uh, booked my trip. I'm going to go watch an FBS football game in Texas this weekend. I'll reveal that stuff later on Twitter. So I'm pretty pretty pumped as well. So uh, let's kind of dive right into it. Of course, we're going to be talking our preseason power rankings. We will update these as the season goes along. Um, via you know our social media pages with our individual rankings and then kind of moving forward we will have a combined podcast ranking and we will use our listeners co- uh, contributions on their power rankings to kind of help create more of a tiebreaker scenario which we actually had to use here near the bottom of our power rankings. so when we dive in we'll have to kind of talk about you know the listeners kind of chiming in a little bit but Dan do you want to go ahead and kick us off with these power rankings Yep, so um, coming in at 15, we had NC State. Um, I personally had them last as well. I, I just don't see much upside with this team. I, it really just starts with their quarterback situation. If you look at all the teams in the conference, I feel like NC State might be the worst of all of them. Just there's not much excitement coming from there. And, yes, they have some pieces on you know the offensive skill positions, their wide receivers. They have a solid running back, but I think their defense will also be torn apart. And, um, yeah, by the way, I don't think for either of our ACC, um, all ACC teams, we even had any NC State players, even honorable mentions. Maybe a lead. I had Christopher Dunn, the kicker, but other than that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm out of defense. We had some offense, but. That's fair, that's fair. But, yeah, even Aline McNeil had an under – Whelming year in 2019. So just, I don't see a lot of upside with this team. You had them at 13, so it's not like you're exactly high on them, but why did you have them a few spots higher? Yeah, so I, I think I think part of the reason is I, I genuinely believe that Dave Doran is a, is a better coach than everyone kind of gives him credit for. I, I also, I mean, we talked about it, NC State's schedule, you know, we, you mentioned it on the last pod, you know, North Carolina's schedule, I said was probably the easiest, but Really, if you look at it, NC State got, the, of course, the fortunate draw of, you know, not playing Clemson and um, Notre Dame. Obviously, these are power rankings and not truly based off schedule. But I really had three or four teams kind of all pretty much on even playing fields. So when it came down to deciding who gets a little bit of a leg up, I kind of went off of who I think is going to win more games. And just by kind of de facto purposes of not having to play the two best teams in our conference, not to spoil our power rankings, but we've kind of, of course, kind of touched on it already in previous pods. So I think that just kind of moving forward that, you know, that just kind of gave NC State a little bit of an edge. So who was 14 for us, Dan? 14 was Boston College. Um, we had them switched. So I had them 13 and you had them 15. So I'm a bit higher on them than you are. Obviously not – extremely high in them having them 13 but I think they have enough to not be the worst team in the ACC yes their defense will struggle but their offense should be efficient and it was last year with mostly with AJ Dillon running it up the gut and all that but I think David Bailey won't be that much of a downgrade especially they have that offensive line pieces the same um and I think their quarterback play will be better with Phil Jerkovic so that will play a huge part in, you know, the kind of the transformation of their offense. But, um, you know, what makes you kind of really down on Boston College this year? You have them 15. I have a lot of podcasts I listen to. Uh, one that's, of course, always stands out is Cover 3 Podcast from CBS Sports. And 
and I was they were talking ACC win totals and I kind of got bought into some of the hype that I was, or I guess it would be lack of hype for for Djokovic. Uh, some one of the guys I can't remember. I think it was Chip Patterson, but don't quote me on that. Basically, went on this three four minute tangent about how uh, Anthony Brown was a better quarterback than Djokovic will be. And so that kind of scared me a little bit. Uh, I've watched some film on Djokovic. Of course, he really didn't have too much, you know, college film to watch. But I don't know. I, I guess the new coach missed with the the quarterback that we know. We obviously we now know he's at least eligible. So at least they have you know a decent quarterback to put in that situation. But and the more I've read on it, a lot of people have kind of said that he's not. Not as great as everyone hyped him up to be. He's not the big Notre Dame guy. But at the same sense, you know, if you read any Boston College beat writers or, you know, just follow any Boston College fans, he's the he's the savior for this program. So one of the one of those is gonna hit. I just I'm right now leaning with the new coaches. Again, that there's a three way tie for last place in my mind. And when it came down to breaking the tie, I just kinda went to the the most question marks. Yeah, I see the thing about Dracovic is um. Yes, he's probably not as good as Anthony Brown. He's not as good as people like Boston College fans hype him up to be. But Anthony Brown was hurt for a lot of last year. And remember that when Anthony Brown was healthy two years ago, Boston College had a really good season. What, they have eight, nine wins? So, you know, just something to keep in mind. But 13, we got Georgia Tech. So this is another one I was higher on than you are. I had them 11th in my personal rankings. Um. I think of the kind of quote-unquote bottom-tier teams, they have the most upside. And, you know, they're another year into that Jeff Collins, non-triple option, more conventional offensive scheme. Um, The run game should improve a little bit because the offensive line should improve a little bit. Um, And Jordan Mason is a beast at running back. And they have now finally some upside at quarterback. I think with Jeff Sims, that brings a lot of excitement. And they also have a decent secondary on the defensive side. So, you know, not extremely high on them, obviously, but I think their young talent could allow them to win a few upsets. But, you know, what kind of makes you skeptical about them? You had them 14 in your personal rankings. Yeah, so with Georgia Tech, you know, they were, they were in that spot for me. I had them, again, like you said, at, uh, at 14. Um, I kind of was, you know, just looking at kind of what we know about Georgia Tech. I think we know a little bit more. You mentioned it with Jordan Mason um, being a fantastic running back. The secondary is, is, is pretty talented, you know, near the, the top five, six in the conference for sure. So that's definitely going to be huge for them moving forward. I think some of the social media hype is kind of, you know, I don't think teams are going to sleep on them as much as they did last year. I mean, we saw it a couple of times last year where Georgia Tech really, you know, the Virginia game stood out to me where they really punched Virginia in the mouth early and, and really had to wake them up to kind of go, Hey, you can't sleepwalk against Georgia tech. Um, I think that's going to kind of disappear this year. Teams are a little bit more prepared for them. I don't think they're going to run as much option scheme this year as they did last year. Maybe they will. If they do, then maybe they can still catch teams off guard with that. Um, You know, between James Graham and, uh, Jeff Sims at quarterback. I think that's a decent quarterback spot to be in. Um, the receivers are definitely underrated, but I think part of it too, for me, when I had that three-way tie for last place between uh, Boston College, NC State, and Georgia Tech, and I think what kind of stood out when it came down to especially NC State and Georgia Tech, I think NC State has to improve this year with Dave Dorn, where if Georgia Tech really doesn't do that much, it's not like Jeff Collins is going to be knocked out the door. So that's kind of why I, I leaned that way in terms of, you know, having Georgia Tech where I had them. Yeah, that's fair. I think they're a team with, like, a high floor – or high ceiling and a low floor. So, you know, kind of like another team, which we will get to above. I'll mention them. But moving on to number 12 in our committee rankings was Duke. Um, I had them at 14 in my personal rankings. I, I just think they're going to have a tough time, you know, preventing – offenses from running up the score against them yes they have the edge rushers but I think you know quick passing game because there could be utilized against them because their secondary could really be picked apart and on the offensive side of things Bryce Chase Bryce has potential you know especially in that Cutcliffe system there's a lot that they could do with him but he's just not set up well he lacks 
a lot of weapons. He has a couple like Noah Gray and Jalen Calhoun, but you know, compare comparatively to the rest of the ACC, not fantastic. And he doesn't have a big best offensive line. So I think they'll kind of struggle on both sides of the ball. That's kind of where I'm looking at them. And, um, you know, some of the teams I had above them have a little bit more upside, but um, you had them at 11, which I thought was particularly high for Duke, but still kind of in that bottom tier. So what are your thoughts on Duke? Yeah, so I felt a little dirty putting them at 11. More, actually, I thought I should have put them a little higher after my hype up, uh, you know, for Coach Cutcliffe for Coach of the Year and and everything like that. But in the same sense, uh, I mean, again, this is a power ranking, not a what I, how I think the season's going to end ranking. So with that, I had to kind of, you know, go based purely off of talent. You, you mentioned it. The receiving core has been, for lack of a better term, not very good. <laughs> um, you know, obviously they do have uh, Gray at tight end, so that's a, a solid option for them. But, again, uh, Chase Bryce is going to be an upgrade for, in quarterback for sure, in my opinion, especially in the Cutcliffe system compared to what Quinn Harris was. Um, but I think just, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, I think this Georgia Tech – or excuse me, Georgia Tech, excuse me, this Duke team, uh, I have them higher than Georgia Tech for that reason. But um, it's just a little bit – I like Cutcliffe. I think I think that's I think that's mainly my my argument here. I think they're going to overperform for what that talent is. If we're looking purely based off roster talent here in the ACC, they might be the worst team. Definitely bottom two, just based off pure talent. But I, I kind of see that kind of playing out for them. So that's kind of why I leaned a little bit higher for Duke. Yeah, I found that interesting how I had them lower than you are because, you know. In our previous episodes, I was really hyping up Chris Rumpf, you know, their superstar defense or edge rusher. And, um, but I guess obviously there's more to the team than that. But moving on to 11, so we, this was kind of weird because we both had them 12, but it just worked out the way when I averaged it out, it was 11 in our committee rankings. So we kind of agree, I guess, on this point. Um, the reason I think we're both kind of higher on them than, the population and clearly we are based on the fan rankings which we'll get to I think the reason I'm higher on them than most and I think we're on the same page here is their secondary is pretty solid um you know they have more than just Andre Cisco. their corners are really good I think Tommy DeVito also is not a bad quarterback at all and you know if you look at his stats last year and you just watch him he he was not that bad he was kind of got a lot of slack for I think little reason and now he has more capable weapons more developed weapons to throw to so um you know why I know we're we're on the same page for Syracuse but why also do you have them higher than I think most of the ACC fans do yeah you you touched on it I think you and I both kind of agreed on this too when we did our Syracuse preview pod everybody's just written them off and I, I don't think that they're in that boat where you know you can just look at Syracuse and go oh well bottom of the ACC you know worst team in the conference hands down you know I think last year especially late in the year they really you know that Wake Forest game I know I know it's Wake Forest and Wake Forest down the down the stretch you know started to, to spiral a little bit from what they how they started the year but I was really impressed with them they found ways. They they found ways to lose games. Obviously, the one game I attended in person was that Boston College game, where between David Bailey and AJ Dillon, I'm pretty sure both of those guys are still running right now. The amount of amount of times he just they just broke loose. I mean, I don't how many times I was like I looked up on first down, and the next thing you know, they're in the end zone on, the, on what should have been a four yard carry. I think the defense is going to improve. I think I I do like Dino Babers as a coach. I know some people are kind of going, "Ooh, hot seat for him." But, you know, we're only two years removed from a national-ranked team. So, I, th- I think that, you know, they're headed in the right direction. Um, at quarterback, of course, they're, they're in good hands, in my opinion, with Tommy DeVito. So, I think he can take a little bit of a step forward this year, which obviously will be drastic enough to potentially make him a bowl-eligible team. So, that's kind of why I'm – you know, you and I are probably both a little bit higher than, than you know, our, our, our fans and, and many people around ACC country. Yeah. I completely agree with those points. Um, number 10, I think this is kind of a consensus, Wake Forest. Um, I had them 10, you had them 10. Just let me check. I believe the fans – yep, the fans also had them 10. So, 
we all kind of agree on this one. Um, and we also just did a preview on them, so we don't have to talk too much about them. But, I, I yeah, like I, I've said, they're just overall a solid, not elite team on offense and on defense. Just competent, but nothing elite. Um, they do have some strengths and weaknesses. Like, I, I consider their offensive line a particular strength and their secondary a particular weakness. But, you know, they're just – you know, they're just a team that'll that'll win some games. They might be on an upset watch, but they're not not gonna, you know, be in the ACC championship race. Am I missing anything? No, I think you touched on. I mean, it, it pained me to put them at ten when I was doing the power rankings. I realized I had them at ten. I was like, am I going too am I going too low on these guys? But I mean, obviously with Sage Surratt sitting out now, I mean, we all think that Donovan Green's going to take a step forward, but. I mean, is it really going to be enough? Uh, not, not, not to the level of Sayshirat. So I, I think you know, with everything with Wake Forest, which I think is even no, I don't want to say it's funny because obviously COVID nineteen is by no means funny. But you know that you know that term where you know it's just kind of a, it's strange how it works out. Of course, with Jamie Newman now opting out of the season, Wake Forest might have actually won that <laughs> because they weren't preparing to have this guy starting a quarterback. They were at least able to prepare Sam Harton all year to be the starters, so they kind of won that. But, but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Wake Forest is – I kind of want to make the argument that Wake Forest is your uh, your Walmart or your Sam's Club brand uh, of cereal. You know, it, it's good. It's going to be – you know, it, it's going to suffice and, and get everything, you know, out that you want, whether it be, you know, your, your Cinnamon Toast Crunch knockoff or whatever it might be. But it's not the same. and They're not that top quality, top shelf brand. It's your, you know – you can kind of get it at your local convenience store kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I was kind of struggling for kind of a terminology for it. But, yeah, I like that. Um, but moving on, this was also a consensus between the two of us, uh, Florida State at nine. Um, you know, this is another team that's like kind – of, I kind of look at them like, yeah, I think they're a little bit better than nine. But maybe that's just a sign that the ACC is better as a whole because I think – I think their defense will be very good. They're just – they're loaded up at their secondary, and they have Marvin Wilson at fr- up front, the ph- the phenom at defensive tackle. The one thing I worry about them is their offensive line, just awful. I don't think it will be that much better this year. Um, and now they just announced they're starting James Blackman, as expected. He's a quarterback that also kind of holds on to the ball for a long time. Um Yes, he has Tamori on Terry, but that's kind of why I have Florida State below some of the teams we're about to talk about. But um, you know, what are your thoughts at Florida State at nine? Yeah, I mean, we're ranking, of course, you know, just pure talent. They'd be a top three, four team in the conference this year, um, you know, based off five stars and everything like that. It, it was really tough. I, I agree. When I saw them at nine, I was like, ooh, am I, am I, am I crazy for thinking this? Like, I mean, they, they, have, they have probably the, the, the biggest upside, you know, if they played to their potential. But I, I kind of looked at a couple pieces. Of course, losing Cam Akers, I think, is huge just for them entirely. I'm um, obviously being a, a first year for Mike Norvell, and I, I, I am. I do think it's a positive per se that we've seen. You know, guys like Marvin Wilson call out Norvell for things that have happened over the last couple of weeks. You know, of course, we had some drama in Florida State between you know saying that he met with all the all the athletes about you know what was going on with the social justice issues, and you know, COVID testing issues as well. But at the same time, those guys haven't quit on him. So that kind of means that, again, it just was a, probably a misunderstanding, a, a terrible use of words. And Marvin Wilson is, is going to what's going to make this team go. I think that, you know, if Marvin Wilson wasn't there, they'd be a lot lower this year with everything going on. But I think the new coach situation is just enough to kind of keep them there where, you know, I, I think if there's any team we have this low, they definitely – they are the team that I'd be least shocked if they finished in the top four, top five. Yeah, and Marvin Wilson – like really great, great on the field. And like, I think he's developing as an off the field leader, Um, you know, kind of a little bit of the controversy where he, where he called out um, coach Norvell and all that, but he's really stuck to his um, stance. And I, I watched his interview on Packer and Durham. He's very impressive young man, but um, yeah, that's Florida state. Next, we're going to the other Florida team in the ACC, Miami. Uh, 
where we each had them eight. Um, the fans had them one higher at seven. So kind of a consensus here. I feel like some people think they're going to be really good, but at the same time, it's almost as if like the consensus is that they're overrated. And I guess kind of putting them at eight, we kind of agree on that. And, you know, I don't think they're as overrated as people think they are. I still think they'll, they're a very solid team. They have like several really talented players, even without Gregory Rousseau. They have Quincy Roche, Brevin Jordan, the phenom tight end. De'Ara King has a ton of upside at quarterback, but I think they have a few flaws that will really expose them, um, specifically their offensive line and also their secondary a little bit. So, you know, I'm closer to the train that they're overrated than to like the take that they're going to have a really good season and be one of the top tier ACC teams. But, you know, I, I still think that they'll be a bold team above 500. They'll probably win a game they shouldn't. They'll probably lose a game they shouldn't. You know, typical Miami. Hopefully that's not UAB and that starts off the ACC season with a loss. But, yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling on Miami at eight. Um, you have anything to add? I was going to say, I, how how fitting would it be that Miami loses the opener to UAB but then goes on the road on October 10th and wins in Death Valley? Like, that would just be the most 2020 – meets Miami kind of perfect storm, no pun intended, we guess, with the hurricane mascot, um, you know, just playing out. Um, I, I agree with you. If, if I if I was a betting guy, you know, if I actually was willing to put money on, you know, sports, which I'm not willing to do because knowing my luck, I'd, you know, just lose everything I own. But I, I would bet more on Miami winning three games than I would winning nine so that kind of tells you where my head's at. I mean, the schedule obviously is not nice. Um, at Louisville, at Clemson, at Virginia Tech, at Wake Forest, North Carolina at home. You know, did you know, avoid Notre Dame? So that's definitely working out well. But at Louisville, of course, right after the UAB game. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, like I've said numerous times, even though I said Derek King was the best quarterback of the of the new quarterback starting in the ACC, um, he's not that great. I really think he, like I said, he reminds me of Khalil Tay from Arizona, so I won't harp on that anymore. But, you know, and I think obviously losing Gregory Rousseau is another huge just, you know, statement piece to kind of put Miami where they are. Yeah, I, that would be very interesting to see, like, Miami go, th- like, what, three and seven, or, yeah, three and eight. That now, if if Miami goes three and eight, does Miami fire Manny Diaz? Yes. I. You think so? I think for sure. I think, I think they might fire him at five and six. Like, I, I don't think he's at a good state right now at the program, but that's, that's a, fair. I guess, I guess I lean global pandemic, why would you buy somebody out, but – in Miami, yeah. we've I mean, we've seen it crazier things in, in Miami. So it wouldn't. I mean, three and eight, I think he is gone. Five yeah. and six, eh? He, now, if he's five and six and that lost his UAB, then yeah, he, he's probably gone. Well, yeah, but who's his win against? If he beats like Clemson or something, I don't know. <laughs> but you have short leeway at Miami. That's the thing. Absolutely. Besides Al Golden, he, for whatever reason, he stuck around for a few. Yeah, <laughs> that's a conversation for a different day. But um. You know, moving on to number seven, we are middle of the pack. We really agreed on. I promise you the next one will have a little bit more debate. But number seven, we each had them at number seven, Virginia. Um, Like we said, they're probably going to take a step down from last year. But if you look at their roster, they they really have very few flaws. Um, You know, they're just rock solid all around, wide receivers. Offensive line is going to be much better. They're, each of their defensive groups, they do have some opt-outs on the defensive line, but they'll still be pretty good there. So, But I do want to point to a couple flaws that worry me a little bit and kind of prevent them from being a top-tier team. One of them, obviously, the inexperience at quarterback. Brennan Armstrong isn't at the level as some of the other quarterbacks in the conference. He might get there at some point, but not now. Um the other one is the depth at running back. They only have two scholarship running backs on the roster. And if that's your to, if that's going to be your issue, not the worst deal in the world at all. But just something to point out. But, um, yeah, what are you kind of feeling on Virginia at this point? 
Yeah. So, I mean, when I was doing my initial power rankings, I actually had Miami above Virginia, just purely based off the talent aspect of things, you know, what we know, you know, I maybe, maybe I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a, I'm a Brandon Armstrong doubter because I definitely don't think he's, he's not talented in that sense, but I definitely lean. I, I honestly thought that Keaton Thompson should be, I mean, obviously I think Virginia is making the right move with Armstrong just because he's been in the system longer. He knows the system. He was behind Bryce Perkins last year. But I, I think Keaton Thompson might be a little bit better than Brandon Armstrong personally. So I think that, that kind of part when it came down to just pure talent rankings and you know what we should expect. But then I combined two things that just bumped Virginia up enough was Miami's going to Miami. They're going to find a way to like, you you, you hit the nail on the head. We mentioned it, you know, they're going to lose a game they shouldn't. So I, that kind of part threw me off, but then I just believe in Bronco men and hall, especially with this COVID-19 thing. Obviously the last week or two hasn't been great with opt out slash, um, you know, the transfer portal opening up, but who knows? I think that, you know, Virginia and Miami are pretty much right there. It depends on if you lean head coaching and culture or if you lean talent and I lean head coaching and culture, especially in, in 2020. Yeah. If we were going to rank ACC teams by most prepared for, or, or most able to adapt, I should say to a global pandemic, I would say Virginia is at the top. So like they're they're not gonna be hurt as much as some of the other teams by um you know by COVID nineteen. I'm not talking about opt outs. I'm just talking about like how it affects the way things are run. But um, moving on, number six, Pitt in our committee rankings. I had them six as well. You had them five. Um, I actually had them a few spots higher at first. You know, I pointed to their stack defense, but. I think over the last couple of weeks, some of the losses they had were huge, which brought them down. And, you know, some of the teams in this second tier, I'd say, are very close. So, you know, losing Jalen Twyman, their star defensive tackle, and their top corner, Damari Mathis, to injury. Jalen Twyman opted out. Um, that's going to be huge. And, um, yes, they're still very good at defense, and they're loaded especially at the defensive tackle. but you have to consider their offensive worries haven't gone away. Their their run gain was pretty rough last year, and Kenny Pickett still needs to take that step up that we haven't seen. Talks about how we think he is more likely to, but we still have to see it. But um, you know, you're you're kind of on the same page. You're a little bit higher on Pitt than me, so kind of convinced me a little bit. Yeah, so uh, I'm not going to spoil who I had behind Pitt. Well be talking about them here in a minute I'm sure I think the big difference is Kenny Pickett takes the step forward I do like that defense like you mentioned there has been some opt-outs that have been important to kind of you know maybe lessen that hype that I had for Pitt but you know the more I've looked into them and the more you know again of course it was they beat Eastern Michigan in the quick lane bowl last year but I honestly think that game really kind of showed what Pitt is because they easily could have just folded in that game. I mean, you're in the quick lane bowl in Detroit against a team that's playing basically 30 minutes from campus. So they have the home field advantage. You are way too talented of a team to be playing in the quick lane bowl, but that's how the ACC just happened to have all the bowl plays kind of spots kind of play out. So I think that kind of showed that, that Pitt cares about their coach, cares about the program and really making a statement. And, and this is a, I got to end it with a shot at Pitt, but if there's any team that's used to playing in front of empty yellow chairs, it's damn sure near Pitt. So playing in a, in a no crowd this season at all, all at home <laughs> might play in their favor because they're used to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one thing I'll say to stick up for them is, you know, Pitt fans like to give this narrative. You know, they, they have a big stadium. It's hard to fill. But they're intended. And it's off campus. I, I get the narrative. I'm, I just want to, you know, mention that that's a benefit to an insult. <laughs> yeah. And also what you said about the quick lane bowl, it's interesting how you put a positive spin on that because, yeah, I agree with you, but a lot of people will say, you know, they, they won by a couple points and against Eastern Michigan in the bowl game, like that's, that's just terrible. But anyway, moving on, this will be more debate. I had Louisville at four, you had them at six, which averaged out to be five in our committee rankings. I, I'm very high on this team. I think they're going to, put up a ton of points. Um, 
they're really loaded at the skill position, the skill positions. But what I really look at is how their defense won't be as bad as people think. Specifically, the linebacker position, they're going to be really good, especially, um, you know, the the linebackers will propel the rest of the defense as well, and especially Rajay Burns. He has the versatility to kind of – he's played corner before, so he could kind of act as a nickelback and a linebacker at the same time, which will give a huge boost to the secondary. So, you know, overall, I'm pretty high on this Louisville team, and I just think – their defense won't be as bad as people think, but why did you put them two spots lower than I did? I do think teams are going to be a little bit more prepared for Louisville this year. Uh, I think that Michael Cunningham and, you know, that, that, that whole trio of wide receivers and backfield with Hawkins and Atwell, you know, things are going to be, you know, great on that side of the ball, but I think teams are going to be just a little bit more prepared this year for them. And you have confidence in the defense. I don't, I really don't. I don't think that they're going to be, and I think they're going to maybe take a step forward, but it's going to be a small step. So just call me, I guess, a little bit more of a, of a Louisville hater than most. But again, this is not saying they're not a great team because I think they are, I think they're still a top 25 team, especially if we only rank teams that are playing football in the fall. But, you know, at the same time, they're not, they're not world beaters and they're not, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I think they're, I don't think teams are going to sleep on them this year. We'll just put it that way. No, I wouldn't consider you a hater at all. Like, I have all these teams from four to – the four to six range, I'd say, is very close. The three to six, actually, for that matter. And, like, they're just these very slight things that, um, you know, could change the order of them. Actually, it turned out the fans had exactly the same as I did, but I would respect any order of that four without really thinking too much on it. But um, moving on to number four in our power rankings was Virginia Tech. So you had them at three. I had them at five. So I do have them pretty high um, overall, probably not as high as some people do. But I am obviously high on them. I think um, I would have had them at four before the opt-out of Farley, who's one of the best corners in the country. But I don't know that – their secondary will still be elite, but they, they don't have that superstar player anymore. Um, but the reason I have them a little bit lower probably than you do is I just don't think their passing game will be as elite as you think it will be. You're very high on Hendon Hooker, and I am as well, but I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think he's just a good to very good quarterback. And same thing with their wide receiver room. And at the same time, the run game will struggle a little bit. So their offense will be solid, but and their defense will still be elite. But I think, uh, not to spoil the team above them, I think the team above them has a little bit more upside with me. But um, why are you thinking for Virginia Tech is the best? I'm going to say non-Clemson slash Notre Dame team in this conference. I think I think my argument with Virginia Tech at three is there really isn't a true glaring hole in that team. And every team we've kind of mentioned, there's there's a big question mark somewhere. You know, obviously Caleb Farley out opting out does kind of open the secondary, you know, up for some more criticism than it did when he was there. However, you know, that that you know the linebacker core, the defensive backs, you know, everything there is just there's not. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's a very solid piece. The quarterback play, I think, is going to be phenomenal. I think the backfield's solid. I think the offensive line is solid. The defensive front is solid. The receiving core is a little bit above solid. I just think that they're the most complete team, obviously not named Clemson or Notre Dame, in the ACC, where, you know, I have some question marks. I mean, we, we've already gone through our four. We've So we can kind of hint who number three is, which I'm assuming is going to be UNC. But, you know, obviously they can kind of do process of elimination here. So, you know, I, I just think they're more complete. Um, you know, I, I hyped them up to win the Coastal this year when we had divisions. And then I kind of took that stance back. And now, you know, the more I think about it, I, when, I, when I came down to complete teams, I think that's it. And I also think that Fuente is playing for his job. Mac Brown's not. So maybe that gives an extra push for those guys that have bought into the Fuente system. Yeah, I mean – I think I, I completely agree about how complete of a team they are. I think our differences lie in the quarterback situation. Do you think that Hooker is 
I mean, you actually had him second team ACC, didn't you? So you think he I did. Yeah. So you think he might even have a better season than Howell. I'm like thinking that Howell is on a separate level than him. So that's where I think our difference lies. But like I said, these teams are very close, but um, as you guys could assume, number three is North Carolina. I had them right at that spot. You had them one spot lower at four. Um, I've done enough hyping up of them. I think they're just stacked on offense. Howell is great. Skill positions are great. Offensive line won't be bad. And I think their defense will be improved. You know, people point to the opt-outs in their secondary, but they're super deep there. And they bring in, you know, some talented freshmen, obviously Tony Grimes, for example. And, um, you know, like last year, they went seven and six. A lot of people say that. How could you put them top three in the conference? Well, I'll give the argument that the UNC fans will say. They lost a lot of close games. So um, they're better than their record says they were. And um, it'll just take, you know, to the typical developments from year to year for the players for them to be a really good team. And also, you know, I I think keep in mind, obviously this is a team power rankings, but their schedule, I believe, what are the, don't they avoid Clemson? So, you know, they, they Clemson, yeah, they avoid Clemson, which is huge. So they, they have a very big potential at um, like, I think you guys could assume our number two is Notre Dame. They have a very big, um, great potential at being that number two team in the ACC championship. But um, why are you slightly lower on UNC than um, Virginia Tech? Like I said, I don't think they're as complete as Virginia Tech. Um, I think Sam Howell's a great quarterback. I just I, – and especially in a 2020 season, I think the guy that protects the ball more and it's not as much of a gunslinger might – have a little bit of an advantage, so I, I, that's why I lean Hendon Hooker. I think Hendon Hooker can beat you with his feet a little bit more than, than Sam Howell can. Plus, like I said, the incentives, you know, Virginia Tech's not playing for Fuente's job because I don't think they'll fire him unless they get winless this year. But, you know, they kind of cool off his seat where, you know, Mac Brown could probably go 0-11 this year and he's still coming back for five years. Um, so I think that kind of plays into it. But, you know, you mentioned it. The schedule does kind of play out. I think that UNC could easily – I think that the top really two to seven, two to eight – yeah, we'll throw – well, actually, probably just two to nine – or three to nine, excuse me, are probably the toughest. And you can even maybe throw Notre Dame in there too. Um, really, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of rank them. I think, I think you mentioned – maybe I'm just not a soul in the secondary with all the opt-outs. Um, you know, they are – they're going to be young, so that could play into things. Um, but I mean, I think it's thin and thin. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's kind of which quarterback we'd rather have. And I'd rather have Hendon hooker. So I think that's why we're probably at three and four there. And of course, you know, transitioning to, to Notre Dame, I think, you know, I'm not going to say too much on Notre Dame. Cause you know, we, I think we slowly, but surely have to accept that they are in the season this year. They did finally paint the ACC logo temporarily on their field for the year. So that's kind of cool to see. I wish I could go to a game just to take a picture of that. But maybe I'll go fly out there just to do the stadium tour so I can, you know, just be on the ACC logo at Notre Dame Stadium. But, um, you know, I think based off pure talent, they're probably the second best team. But, you know, obviously, what are your thoughts on, on why, we, why, you, why we as a collective, but individually too, have them as number two? Yeah, did you see um, Notre Dame football, their Twitter uh, caption? Felt cute, might delete next year. That kind of pissed off some ACC fans, but I, I found that funny, to be honest. I, just, I thought it was great. That's, that's phenomenal. I mean, yeah. we all know it's temporary. I mean, I think the only way it's not temporary is if they lose in the conference championship game this year and it still gets them into the playoff. That's, you know, and we'll talk about that later on, I'm sure, at some point, but I think that could maybe be an incentive to joining the ACC. Yeah, is you know they because that revenue money they get from the playoff. I mean, obviously, in normal years, the runner-up of the ACC is not getting you into the playoff. But if it bails them out this year, it might be enough. Hey, they said might delete next year. They didn't say will delete. Exactly. So exactly, ninety-nine percent sure they're going to delete, but there is that one percent. Yeah, but uh, let's just talk about Notre Dame a little bit because we didn't have their um. They didn't have their own preview podcast, but I think this was a pretty easy choice for two and not one and not three, like this specific spot. I think 
they do have potential to get upset and not make that ACC championship game, but like they're clearly that second best team. Their biggest strength will be their offensive line as usual, the classic Notre Dame offensive line, always winning in the trenches. Um, if there were going to be, a, if they were going to get beaten, I would say it would be a team that kind of attacks them through kind of like an air raid type concept because of their losses in the secondary. They're, you know, still very good there, but that's probably if I were to give them a weakness, it would be that. And um, UNC stands out to be like the, the best team that fits that mold. But, you know, they're a team that also is a little bit vulnerable in the trenches. So I think for an upset pick, I think Wake might be a better pick. You know, they're going to they're gonna um, attack you in similar ways, but I think they're better off in the trenches. And, you know, you might point to that lack of the linebacker depth, but, you know, they play Notre Dame in September. So depth will be a little bit less important um, in September than like November, December. But, um, you know, what are your general thoughts on Notre Dame? And I want you to give me a team – that we didn't have, like, top five that would be a potential upset. I wish Virginia played Notre Dame because that would be my easy cop-out answer because I thought they were – honestly, I thought last year they should have beaten them. Virginia Tech would be another good piece, but obviously they're top five um, and maybe my top three, so that's not fair for me to say that. But I think of the teams we don't have top five, I think your best bet would be, um, you know – Wake Forest. However, I'm not completely out of the realm of possibility. I can't believe I'm saying this as I had Georgia Tech ranked 14th in my in my power rankings, but I could see Georgia Tech doing something crazy on the uh, you know up up at Bobby Dodd because I'm sure that game is getting moved to Bobby Dodd. It was scheduled to be at Mercedes Benz, but I don't know if they've officially moved it yet. But I'm assuming it'll be at Bobby Dodd. And if that's the case. I, Georgia Tech, I feel like it'd be one of those kick, you know, those kick return touchdown type things as we saw a few years ago, of course, you know, with Georgia Tech and and uh, Florida State. So, Wake Forest would be my top bet, but Georgia Tech is kind of, you know, a team. If if Georgia Tech had better betting odds, which I'm sure they did, I'd probably bet that. Yeah, either a kick return for touchdown or Presley Harvin throwing a 30-yard dime down the field like they did to beat Miami last year, just something like that. <laughs> But, yeah, moving on, number one, I think we – no argument here, Clemson. Um, not much to say. They're loaded. I think they're the best team in the country, especially with Ohio State not playing. Um, there might be a little bit – no, actually, I don't even think there's any argument to this. So, um, you know, anything to add on Clemson, or do you want to kind of just move on? National champs. That's all I want to add. Yes, sir. All right, so um, moving on, I guess I'll go first with this. We had – we each made five over-under prop bets of just miscellaneous ACC um, concepts, basically. I don't know, just just for fun and just to get some good content on the pod. So I guess I'll, I'll start with mine. Um, the first one was interceptions – Total interceptions from quarterbacks named Sam H. And so you got to combine the two. I said 11.5 was my line. Are you going over or under? Over. I think, I think both of them throw at least six. So I'm going to go over. Okay. Um, this one is an interesting one. Number of coaches fired after the year. Do you, I put it at 0. 0.5. So do you think there will be an ACC coach fired after this season? No, because I think Dave Doran's the only one that I could see getting fired. Actually, knowing 2020, I could see D Manny Diaz getting fired because he went 0 and 11. But other than that, um, I, I don't think I don't think, based off the the situation that's in hand with college athletics, that no one no coach is going to do a, a, a terrible enough job to not at least get almost a, a get out of jail free card from COVID. I guess I'm more on the fire Manny Diaz train than you are, but you know. That's just me. Um, next, we got number of Heisman. So this is um, without the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Number. So this kind of changes a little bit, but number of top ten Heisman finishers in the ACC. So I put the line at two point five. Um, I think there's. I think 
Lawrence and ETN are kind of the consensus they will be, but do you think there will be a third is really the question. Um, yeah, because Hen Hooker for Heisman. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I, that, that, um, I'll throw him in the race. So, yes, I'll take the over. All right. Um, number – this is kind of just a random one, but I put it out there for fun. Number of touchdowns thrown by a non-quarterback at 1.5. I'll take the over. It's 2020. <laughs> Lots of trick plays. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my only reason. It, it's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got um, this one. I put the line at exactly one. So, you, so I think one is the expectation. You have to decide which is more likely, zero or two. Teams that finish within a game outside of the ACC championship spot. So not including our pick, Notre Dame and Clemson. How many teams finish one game or, yeah, exactly one game out of the ACC championship spot, and I'm putting the over-under at one. Oh. See, I think, I think it is just one. Exactly. So that, thing. That, that's the tough part. So, I mean, if, if we have to play it, and, you know, if I'm a betting guy, I'm not taking this, I'm not taking this to Vegas. But I'm going to go – I'm going to go over. I think the ACC this year, the top four to five between UNC, with no divisions especially, UNC, Virginia Tech, Louisville, you know, those teams are right there. Pitt included in my in my perspective. You know, those are all teams that, you know, if something weird happens, I could see Notre Dame losing two games. I could see Clemson losing one game and still being the best team in the ACC. I don't think they're going to lose a game. But, like, if they were to lose a game, I could see, you know, where the dominoes fall, where Notre Dame now has two losses and UNC has two and Virginia Tech has three. So, I'm going to go with – yeah, I'm going to go with the, the over here, though I really wouldn't want to play it. All right, so that's all I've got. Um, you have some, so I'll let you read yours off and I'll – Answer over or under. Yeah, absolutely. So the amount of teams who lose less than three games all year, I said three and a half is the set point. I'm ta- personally taking the the over on this. I think there's going to be more te- – sorry, the under, I think there's going to be more teams that lose uh, the three game lose more than three games this year. But what are your thoughts, Dan? Wow, so you're, you're betting against your own line. That's interesting. But, yeah, I, I agree about the under. Um I think there's just going to be a bunch of teams bunched in that seven and three area. Um, Clemson definitely, Notre Dame most likely have less than three losses. That's two teams. I think one more, um, UNC or Louisville. Those are the two top tier teams in my um, rankings that don't play Clemson. But I don't think both of them will fall in that category. So that's why I'm going with three total, which is less than 3.5. So I'm going with the under. Perfect. All right, my next one. The amount of times Clemson is a two-touchdown favorite or more this season. You said that. What did you say that? So, sorry, I said it at nine and a half. So, basically, there's going to be two games this year that they're not or there's one game that they aren't. Yeah, I'm going I think, I think the Notre Dame game is the only one we can truly say it'll probably be less than two touchdowns. Yeah, I'm going to go with over. Yeah, they play 11 games, and I think I – think, they could be two touchdown favorites in all of them. Probably not Notre Dame, but the only team that Vegas seems to really respect, if you look at the week one lines, besides obviously Clemson and Notre Dame, is UNC. They're like 21-point favorites in their week one matchup against Syracuse or something like that. But um, the two of those teams don't play, Notre Dame – or I'm sorry, UNC and Clemson. So that's why I'm going with the over. I think 10 games they'll be favored by two touchdowns or more. Awesome, awesome. So, third one's going to be the amount of games that Louisville scores 35-plus. I said it at eight-and-a-half games. What are your thoughts? I said under. They did it in only six out of 13 last year, which is just below half their games, and their offense takes a slight step up. But um, nine out of 11, that's just too much. That's too big of a step. And I, I, I think only Clemson's the team that's capable of doing that. So, now, if I, if I had set it at six and a half, would you have still taken the under? Ooh, that would have been – I might have taken the over for six and a half. I don't know. I didn't think about that. That's a good question. Yeah, I'm going to go with seven games. Seven out of, seven? Seven out of 11 games. So, yeah. Right. 
Now, I think I'm going to save the next one I had on the list for the last one. I think it's a good way to wrap it up. So my next one, I guess, would be the amount of quarterbacks NC State uses this season. And I set it at three and a half. Of course, we had a four quarterback race, three that are truly in the picture per se. But does, does, does NC State use four quarterbacks this year, basically, Dan? Yes, because you, you phrase it as they use them and you don't phrase it as starting them. I think I probably bet that two will start, maybe three. But um, three quarterbacks for NC State got meaningful time last year. And um, I think in terms of taking a snap, I think all four will. Devin Leary, Bailey Hoffman, Ty Evans, and Ben Finley, that being. So I'm going with the over for the amount of, states, the amount of uh, quarterbacks NC State uses at 3.5. Awesome. And then the last question or over under I had, and let's start it up here. The amount of ACC teams that make the playoff, and I said it at one and a half. So I guess we're just assuming that we're doing the conventional four-team playoffs. I'm going with the under. I think it'll be one ACC, 99% chance it's Clemson, one Big 12, and two SEC. There, there's not a clear-cut um, second team in the ACC. In, um, like in the ACC, like Notre Dame, yes, but I think they'll lose a couple of conference games. Like I don't see two teams running the table besides the times they play each other. So um, there's that. And then also since the conferences aren't playing each other, there's no reason for the committee not to be SEC biased. And, you know, they're just going to claim the SEC is by far the best conference of the ones playing. Um, they go based on past data for that. I think this year's data would be a little bit different if the conferences are playing each other, but I think there's no reason for the committee not to use SEC bias. So I definitely don't think we're getting two teams in the playoffs, unfortunately. Fair enough. I would actually bet that we do, but that's just besides the point. But Dan, as I'm speaking, the opening kickoff of FBS football is beginning now. So I'm freaking juiced right now. Um, you know, I think it's time to wrap it up uh, so we can enjoy some Division One football because I'm going to knock on some wood here. Hopefully this is not like a, a rare occasion the rest of this fall. But, you know, I'm going to enjoy – if I've learned anything, enjoy every moment of every football game possible moving forward. So <laughs> I've never been so amped for a Thursday night opening kickoff between Central Arkansas and UAB in my life on ESPN3. but. Here I am. So, um, Dan, I'm glad we were able to get our power rankings going. I can't wait for next – hopefully, I think we're going to aim for Monday or Tuesday, hopefully Monday, to preview week one of the ACC football season, the much-anticipated – and honestly, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. So, I think it's time to scout one of our uh, our first ACC game of the year's opponent in UAB. But – Dan, I appreciate your time. And do you have any last words for the listeners or shall we enjoy some 2020 college football? No, just, yeah, let's just enjoy. And um, yeah, go ACC.